What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the PropG Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. The drive for five is complete. Welcome to the Daily Hammer, your daily news source when it comes to the Atlanta Braves as part of the Battery Power Podcast Network. We'll get into where you can find the show and get all the latest content, but we are here to, hey, at least celebrate the first box checked that was likely a goal for the Braves this season for the fifth straight time. They are NL East Division champions, and you know, of course, when we have the ability to have these awesome reactions to great things the Braves do, I always love to have a fellow member of the Battery Power Podcast Network, and the one and only Eric Cole has been kind enough to join me this evening. Eric, sir, they did it again five straight times, and I'm going to be honest with you, this this one I feel the best about. This one just, this one was special. Well... I'm glad that I wouldn't say that I felt particularly great about it while it was happening because this game was frustrating on a number of levels. I mean, there's so many guys left on base. This game, I mean, the Braves should have won this game probably six to one, seven to one. But I mean, hat tip to Jake Odorizzi pitching his brains out tonight. Uh, it's been a rough go of him with him and with the Braves, but he gave the Braves some really strong innings and the bullpen was just lights out the rest of the way, uh, including the much maligned Kenley Jansen and the probably underappreciated Raziel Iglesias, just overall a, just a look, it's the the Braves got done with pitching after, you know, basically leading the league with home runs and, you know, a a two to one game is certainly probably not how we would have envisioned it, especially against the Marlins, but the Braves got the job done five in a row is kind of wild. I mentioned on Twitter that, you know, I hope that, a lot of fans, especially those with you know you know younger fans and those with kids, can make sure you savor this because I remember how special that run through the '90s and early 2000s of all those division champions. We're not going to talk about the World Series heartbreak that happened that was mixed in there, but you know you get a win in the World Series last year. All these division titles, just great baseball, and this team is set up for success for a long time. I'm just hopeful that everyone's savoring it because this is a real treat. It absolutely is, and of course you can find. Eric Cole at Leprechaun on Twitter, myself at StatsSAC. You can find the Battery Power Podcast Network, Road to Atlanta Podcast, podcast to be named later, as well as the Daily Hammer, all at BatteryPower.com, at BatteryPowerSBN, and free on all podcast platforms. So let's get into it. First, let's get into the struggles that the Braves had over the past two games, Eric. It has been night and day over the weekend, and we've seen this. In the month of September, right, we've seen the Braves play at a level where they truly are convincing that they could easily repeat this year, and then they'll go out, like a couple of games against the Nationals in September, then they'll go out and they can't score anything. They, they're like one for 15 with runners in scoring positions combined in two games. That It was night and day, the Braves over the past two games, versus what they did this weekend but at the end of the day, they got the job done. And Eric, we'll talk about this in a little bit. As a matter of fact, we'll get into it now. 
What stood out is about this team is this. I feel like the best asset, where the Braves are at their best, is offensively. I think that's where they're deepest. But, Eric, the, te- the definition of success for this team over the past few weeks has been the bullpen, and that's what saved us tonight against the Marlins, just like it did against the Mets. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Brad and I, we were on the podcast on Sunday, and, and you know, I had a Twitter user uh, message me and say, hey, you know, are you guys going to talk about how good Raziel Iglesias has been with the Braves? And, you know, it's one of those things that anecdotally, I know that he had been good. Uh, and, you know, we've talked at length, a number of us about how we wish that he was maybe pitching in higher level, higher, these higher leverage situations that they've been putting Kenley in and, you know, thinking ahead a little bit about him po- probably being the closer next year and all that. But he has given up one earned run in a Braves uniform. His ERA is like 0. 0.34, 0. 0.36, something like that. He was excellent again tonight, you know, and when you kind of look back about it, and I know that you had kind of compiled the kind of the the stats over the last, probably the last several weeks now, it's just like, it's hard to point to a lot of times where the bullpen, you know, really hurt the Braves. There was like, you know, the Kenley game in Seattle, and then there was like maybe one or two other games, but for the most part, this bullpen has just been lights out. And, you know, at the end of the day, the difference between, like the teams that are pretty good and then the teams that are really good is that the the teams that are really good, they, they can win ugly games. And, you know, the Braves are certainly capable of just bludgeoning a team 14 to four. That, this team is more than capable of doing that. But they also just find, they, they find ways to win. They've, they've found ways to rally late. They've gotten key hits and key spots. Uh, in this particular game, it wasn't an offensive thing. It felt like Every time the Braves needed a big hit, they got they had either Dansby Swanson or Matt Olson up there, two guys that had been hitting really well, and you really those are the guys you'd want in those spots, and they didn't they never came through in those spots tonight, and it it felt bad, it just did, and you know all the you know bases loaded, and not scoring runs, and all this other stuff, but they scratched together a couple of runs, um, you know Ronnie drives in a run, and Contreras drives in a run, and that was enough because again defensively they held up. And, you know, the bullpen was just lights out. And again, you know, Jake Odorizzi, who has been, you know, suspect at best uh, with, with the Braves of late, you know, he pitched really, really well, made one mistake that went for a solo home run, but that was pretty much it. I mean, over these nine innings in a, div- a division clinching, you know, high pressure situation, one run on four hits. That's what the Braves pitching staff gave up altogether tonight. And, you know, that's, you know, sometimes you need games like that because, again, the Braves had to really stitch together against some really tough pitching over the weekend from the Mets. You know, they had to really kind of, like, expend a lot of energy to do what they did against them. It's not that surprising to me that there'd be a little bit of a letdown against the Marlins team that's frankly uninspiring. And the, the Marlins certainly were, you know, had no interest in trying to have the Braves clinch on their field. Didn't work out for that, unfortunately. But you know that Don Mattingly wasn't going to be super thrilled if the you know at the prospect of that. So they were pitching, they were playing hard. But again, the Braves just came up clutch, and you know you have to win these close games, you have to win these ugly games, and the Braves have done that. You, you don't get to 101 wins only bludgeoning teams to death. You just don't. You win close games, and you win games that maybe you shouldn't. Absolutely, and this has become the identity of this team, Eric. Obviously, you know, for years, people talked about the Kansas City Royals 2015 World Series win, how dominant their bullpen was with timely hitting. Well, the Braves basically had an updated version of that last year. I call it the bombs in the bullpen, you know, the night shift. They out-homered their opponents, and the bullpen was absolutely excellent. 
That's what they did over the weekend to beat the Mets. But here are just a couple of just outstanding stats. We talked about Rysel Iglesias not allowing but one earned run since he arrived in Atlanta. Eric, the Braves got back from that four and four road trip against the Mariners, Mariners, Giants, and I believe the A's. They went four yep. and four on that road trip, lost consecutive series for the first time in two months. They got back from that on September 15th. Do you want to guess what their ERA as a bullpen is since September 15th? Hit me with it. I'm ready. 1.14 in 63 and one-third innings. And that doesn't include four more scoreless ones tonight. That seems pretty good. That seems pretty <laughs> a, good, John. A 1.14 ERA. You go back to September 10th in the middle of that West Coast road trip, they've gone more than 80 innings now and allowed around a 1.35 ERA. So the thing that I'll say is this, is that this philosophy, hitting more homers than the other team and just having a lights-out bullpen, it won them a World Series last year. It won them a division this year, Eric. It's really good to see that it seems like that, that formula is coming together at the best version of itself at the right time. It seems like it could be a formula that could lead to another deep October run this year. Absolutely. I mean, I don't think that anyone wants to go against the Braves in the playoffs, including the Dodgers. And, you know, we, we were kind of laughing a little bit before recording the podcast that, you know, like the Braves, the Dodgers are like 110 wins and they kind of look like this juggernaut. Um, and I don't know if I'd pick, I mean, I'll hedge a bit here. If it was just in a vacuum, I'd still probably pick the Dodgers in that series just because of how highly I think of that team in general. But what we saw last year could happen. I mean, you know, you get your pitching messed up in the previous series and all of a sudden things line up differently. The rest lines up differently. You get some guys dinged up. You know, I, I think that the, that, that series will be, it's going to be really close regardless, even if, it, if both teams are at their best. And, you know, it's hysterical to me. Like we, we've seen like Bryce Wilson start games where the, the, the Braves clinch the division. And in this game, we're like the Braves again, you're, you're right. It's that they've relied on the long ball and, you know, just, you know, get, some pretty good starting pitching too with Spencer Strider, Max Freed, um, Kyle Wright, obviously, you know, like the, the starting pitching has been good, uh, but the bullpen has been so good, but it's hysterical to me that in the, the game that clinches the division this year, where they've been kind of just like out homering people and the, they basically put themselves in the spot to win the division with the home run ball against the Mets over the weekend, they have one extra base hit in this game and it did not drive in a run. Whereas the Marlins who can't seem to hit anybody, have three including a homer and they end up losing a 2-1 game it's kind of it's funny how baseball works uh but again it kind of shows that i i think that you know all kidding aside about you know this the the bombs away type stuff one thing i will say about this team too is that i don't know if you necessarily want to get in too many small ball battles with them either because they have a bunch of guys who can run uh and can kind of just get the things done they just have guys who just can flat out hit so i think once we get into the postseason this is a really dangerous team. Uh, they certainly aren't going to be running Jake Odorizzi out there to start too many games unless things have gone horribly wrong. Uh, I think the starting pitching is really good. They have some guys who can just flat out dominate on, on the mound, both on the as on the starter side as well as the bullpen. And, you know, top to bottom in this lineup, there's guys, there's, there's danger everywhere. So overall, I, I think that the Braves could very well make a deep run. It's, it's hard to predict to just do that back-to-back. -back. It just is. But, you know, you don't get the number two seed in what, in the national league, especially this year, which is incredibly difficult. I mean, I think that the world series winner almost certainly is going to come out of the national league just because it's just such it's, there's just so many good teams over there in the national league right now. 
Um, I, I think that, you know, the Braves are right in the thick of it. And, you know, based on the, their, the side of the bracket they're in, I certainly feel pretty good about it. Absolutely. And let's look a, a little bit more closer at, you know, really where the Braves' success has been offensively. Yes, the bullpen has probably been the biggest reason why the Braves were able to get the job done against the Mets over the weekend, get the job done over the, uh, you know, tonight to clinch the division. But Eric, this season, the offense, you know, if there was a narrative about the offense, it's that at different times, it's been different units of the offense that have really carried them. You know, really through that, you know, May, June, July stretch of playing excellent baseball, it was the infield at different times, Dansby, Austin, and Matt. From August 1st on, it was the outfield. Ronald Acuna Jr. was starting to show, you know, getting back to his old self. Michael Harris, one of the best offensive players in baseball. Eddie Rosario was getting hot as well. But in the last half of September, as excellent as Spencer Strider and Michael Harris had been, Spencer Strider's injured, Michael Harris has struggled a bit at the end of September. The other thing that really stands out that I'm grateful for is that another big reason why we were able to get the job done to get the Division One is that our best bats got going. Ronald, Austin, Dansby, Matt, all four of them had excellent series against the Mets. They had excellent, you know, a, a few excellent games before that. But it's great to see the best bats in the lineup really get going to not only clinch this division, but right before the playoffs start. Well, you always want to peak right before the playoffs, right? So, you know, and you have a guy like Travis Darno, who, you know, some of his at-bats frustrate the crap out of me because he, you know, doesn't seem to know how to take a walk. But, you know, Matt Olson was very, very important in that Mets series. Dansby Swanson was was something else too you know austin had his moments i mean ronnie was chipping in here and there he's he, he's i don't think we're going to see the best version of ronnie who knows maybe once you get him in the playoffs you know he just you know he stops caring about how much pain he's in and he's just going to start swinging to the fences and go wild entirely possible that that happens but you know he he's still hitting the ball hard and he reached base three times this three three times just today and he stole a base you know he's probably going to have like the you know <laughs> this might be one of the the worst seasons of his career and he's like he's sitting on 29 stolen bases right now and that's with one good leg so it's kind of a it's kind of funny how we measure you know success sometimes but you know if this lineup gets hot I could see a a lot of damage getting done especially if Michael Harris can kind of get back going William Contreras is very very dangerous you know especially the top eight spots once you get into that ninth spot we're kind of getting to a weird thing you're like you know are you really gonna rely on marcelo zuna or grossman or rosario you know there's you you play some matchups there and you kind of see what happens but you know all those guys are dangerous like all those three guys i think i, I mentioned there are dangerous though so they're capable of hitting the ball out of the park we saw what eddie did last year grossman's had some big hits for the braves even though the numbers haven't really shown up on a consistent basis and marcelo zuna who you know despite the fact that i wish he wasn't on the roster altogether uh, he is a guy who is capable of running into one too. So this is, again, you, you want to be peaking at the right time. I wouldn't say that this offense is like firing in all cylinders right now, but now they, the most, more importantly, the, a lot of these guys have played a ton of games. There's just not been many days off. So now tomorrow, hopefully at least some of these guys will be getting that, you know, that day off where they, you know, <laughs> they can, you know, kind of rest off that hangover. They're probably going to have, and they're going to, you know, be able to rest a bit. And then they'll have some days off while the wild card's being played. And that's going to be really big for guys like Dansby, who hasn't had days off. You know, Acuna, who really could use those just because he's banged up. You know, Riley hasn't looked particularly good, and he's played a whole lot. Same thing goes for Matt Olson. Giving those guys some rest, 
and being able just to go into the playoffs fresh, line up their rotation the way they want to. Hopefully Spencer Strider's back out there too. The, the Braves, again, that that especially particularly that game on Sunday, which was it felt like, you know, I don't think a lot of people fully appreciated how big of a swing that was in the Braves playoff fortunes with just one single game in the regular season. It's basically a three game swing because it won the tiebreaker as well with the Mets overall, just, you know, being able to get that rest for these guys who've just been playing a whole bunch, you know, that's the best you can hope for. But once you get into the playoffs, it all comes down to, you know, individual games, individual performances, but you know, as young as this team is, it just, you know, if you're looking at birth dates per se, there's a lot of playoff experience on this roster. If you really think about it. And once you have that and you kind of realize that this team's already made a world series run last year, these guys have been in the playoffs a whole bunch. I'd put the Braves against anybody period. And that's the other dynamic of all this, Eric, that, that you know, I, I've talked about it a bit on the Daily Hammer over the past few weeks, is that to me in the National League, the most coveted playoff position out of all six positions was the second position. And the reason why that is, is because as you mentioned, you get the bye. So the Braves get to rest their players, hopefully get Strider, maybe Ozzie Albies back, you know, before the NLDS. We'll see if that, if that works out. But players get rest, they get to line up their starting rotation. But the other thing that stands out about it is this. The Braves, they don't have to worry about seeing the Dodgers or the Mets until the NLCS, if the Braves you know, are lucky enough to get there. That's one thing. But the other thing is, is that with the dynamic of this three-game series and the wild card, whoever the Braves play in the NLDS, they're likely not going to have – that team's likely not going to have their best arms fresh. So you really get – some extra advantages that you may not necessarily have realized until, you know, getting close to actually earning it. There are layers of benefits that come from not only winning the division, but really getting this second spot in the NL playoff picture this year. Yeah. I'm not particularly excited about going against the Dodgers. I mean, you know, it, it, there's a certain level of inevitability uh, with, you know, these two teams at this point, they always seem to find a way to meet up, but, you know, being able to get a round or two in before you have to deal with them certainly is helpful. Uh, I'm not ec- ecstatic that the Cardinals are in the Braves side of the, of the of the bracket with the devil magic that they have. Uh, I didn't think that team was going to be any good at all, but you know, obviously both Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado have been fantastic for the Cardinals. Um, I still like the Braves, and I think the Braves are a better team. But you know, that's kind of one of those you know just feels kind of like you know karmically like scary in a lot of respects. But like the Phillies aren't a particularly scary team, and you know, like don't sleep on the Padres either. Just sleeping over there on that other side of that bracket. I don't think that. You know, the Mets are particularly thrilled to be on that side of the bracket for a number of reasons. That Padres team can beat anybody. I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, the, the Padres ended up beating the Mets in a series just because, again, that's a good Padres team with, you know, MVP candidates of their own on that squad. So it's the National League in general is going to be very, very tough to come out of. Uh, once you get to the once you get to, you know, past that first round, the once we get into the past the wild card, we kind of see how things actually do line up. You know, were, were they full three game series? Are they able to rest any guys at all? You know, like, you know, kind of what pitching staffs are going to be up against and all that stuff. All that stuff does matter. But you're right in the sense that you it really felt like this was the side of the bracket you wanted to be on because, it you know, again, the winner of like the Cardinals and the Phillies doesn't scare you nearly as much as, you know, the four or five matchups. So overall, you know, it feels good. I, I don't know if the Dodgers are scared of anybody at this point, but I know, and I'm certainly cert- certain that no one wants to play against the Dodgers. Overall, though, you know, it, the Braves are just in a really good spot. And, you know, there was certainly a lot of anxiety amongst Braves fans. Uh, I saw your tweets and you were yelling at me for reasons that I don't understand. But, uh, you know, 
again, the what the Braves were able to do in that last series against the Mets, it, it can't be overstated enough. And just now to be able to, you know, clinch this division, be in the position that they are in now, that's the best you can hope for. And at the at the end of the day, now you're in playoff baseball, a lot of things can happen. I, I am certainly not going to be upset with any outcome. Uh, I, I have learned over my many years watching baseball is that, you know, it's going to break your heart more often than it's, than it, it's going to make you happy. And to be able to kind of be able to put yourselves in a position to win 101 games, especially after the start. I mean, they, they started off the season 23 and 27. And to get to this point now where they're at 101 wins after that start where everyone was just wondering, you know, like, are they even going to be able to, you know, get a playoff spot? That, that, that's how bad it was there for a little while. You know, they were over 10 games back. And then even like in August, they were still seven games back. The Mets just were never losing. And the Braves just never put their, took their foot off the gas. Just never did. And we're the best team in baseball, really for the basically the second half of the season. And once you get to that point and you're able to, you know, play like that, you know, you can beat anybody and anything can happen in October. So the Braves put themselves in this position. Let's just hopefully they can keep it going. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You remember that campaign that the Nationals had in 2019, Eric, where they were the best team since May 24th? Guess who can use that yep. campaign this year? <laughs> but the <laughs> other thing that I'll say is this, is that in a couple of couple of other things that just are amazing about this, you mentioned we went from 23 and 27 in our first 50 games to now winning, a, we're at 101 wins. We were 10 and a half back in June, down seven on August 10th. We legitimately over the past four months, Eric, since the start, basically since Michael Harris was called up, we have been playing at a pace that would set the record for most wins in a season if it were over an entire regular season. We're playing at the same pace that the 2001 Mariners played at. Like I know numerically this is probably the best that we've ever seen the Braves play, but just how special has it been to the Braves that still have plenty to work through? As you mentioned, the offense hasn't been firing on all cylinders at 
very rarely have they had this season. We've been without Ozzy. We've had other injuries. But just how special has it been to see this four-month stretch of play? Just It's been amazing baseball. I mean, other than that sack bunt that happened tonight, which, like, I have not been as tilted at a play of Braves baseball this season other than that sack bunt tonight. Uh, beyond that, though, you're right, is that, you know, it's funny that the Braves have put up this pace, one 101 games, and I don't think we've seen their best baseball. I just don't. You know, like, we have not seen peak Ronnie this year. We just haven't. You know, we've seen moments here and there, but we have not seen, like, Everyone on the offense clicking at the same time it just hasn't happened. We've had guys, you I mean like Charlie Morton struggle on the mound. Obviously, there's Odorizzi. You know, Kyle Wright has, has certainly won a bunch of games, but he's not always been as his crisp, his most crisp. We've you know seen you know Max Freed you know being sick and or maybe not being at his best. We've seen even Spencer Strider struggle at the start here and there. You know, the bullpen wasn't you know always so automatic like they were down the stretch here. So if you can get everything going, I mean, I just don't. If top to bottom, if everything's going right, I don't know if there's a team in the league that can beat them. Uh, if, now it does depend a little bit what happens in October as to kind of how that all plays out, because there's, you're going against all your all all the teams you're going against are good, and at the end of the day, you can only just hope that you can put it together. But in terms of just how special it's been, I, I it's certainly been special. But I kind of keep going back to the fact that other than the kind of the the Dansby Swanson contract situation, this team is going to be together for a long time. So, like, even if it doesn't happen this year, it's not like there's a, a lot of guys who are going to be aging out or leaving in free agency, per se. The young core is pretty much in place. So you you, just, you can kind of plug and play a little bit and kind of fill the holes as you can. It doesn't feel like, you know, like the, the window's closing anytime soon. And that's what's kind of remarkable about it is that they're both so, this team is both so good and so young and under team control. You know, I, I mean, imagine like a world where, Ozzy is healthy and contributing the way that we know he can. Uh, imagine the world where Ronnie is healthy and contributing the way he can. And, you know, imagine, you know, like not having these slumps from Austin and, and Matt Olson. You know, if everyone's firing at all cylinders, I just don't think there's a team in the league that can beat them. And that's exciting because even if they're probably their be- that not their best, they're still a 101-win team. You can never take that away. And to be able to do that the way they have is pretty remarkable. One thing that you mentioned in that at their best, and and or at least you feel like it. And the other thing is they haven't had the ability to because they haven't had all of their best players available. You know, you, Ronald has been in and out of the lineup. Ozzy obviously has played just two games since June 14th. Spencer Strider's injury. We do find out that after the game tonight that it seems like that Strider could be back for the NLDS potentially. Ozzy, they're more looking at the NLCS, you know, if they were to make it that far. But that's what really stands out. But as good as this Braves team is, getting those two players back, I mean, I just, from last year, with how special it was to see how guys were, I don't want to say overachieving, but just were absolutely producing better than everybody expected to, to a year later, now having just this plethora of talent, it's amazing to think it's been great to see how we played, but we could be even better and we can get this all back in time for the playoffs. You have to hope those guys will be back and healthy. Absolutely. Especially Spencer Strider, you know, you know, with Vaughn Grissom and Orlando Arcia, it's not peak Aussie level production there, but they perform ably in his absence. Obviously uh, Vaughn on that crazy run when he first got called up, it's clear that they've kind of, 
went back to kind of being more in favor of, you know, Arcia once Vaughn cooled off and, you know, Arcia is obviously very good defensively, but I think that a deep postseason run for the Braves is very difficult without Spencer Strider. Um, I, I think that you need that sort of overpowering, you know, just that really like frontline starter, like having that guy to pair to pair with Max Freed in the playoffs specifically is really going to be important uh, against the really good teams. And in the case of Spencer Strider, you know, I'm not sure we've seen a guy who can just like flat out just dominate and overpower, um, overpower a lineup quite like he can with the Braves in a long time. And as a result, you know, you never know what's going to happen with a guy coming off injury. But it, now that the Braves actually be able to take this break, and it looks like that he should be at least as option uh, in the in the division series, assuming all goes well, then that's going to be really big. I, I had pretty low thought, low. Uh, I wasn't particularly optimistic that Ozzy was going to be back relatively soon. And once you once you 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 break anything, just asking him to come back that quickly seemed like a little bit much. But you know, the chance that maybe he get like after, late in the playoff run that he might be able to come back too. Uh, that would certainly be a boost. I think that's a, just a net upgrade over your other options at second base right now. Again, you're, you're right. But we haven't seen the best version of this team on the field this season. We just haven't. And, you know, maybe, and we, and we may not, but I'm not sure if they necessarily need to be at their best to win those things and defend the title. But at the same time, it certainly would help to have a guy like Spencer Strider, who is going to, you know, most certainly win second place in the rookie of the year voting. And it's probably going to get some Cy Young voting uh, votes too. So overall, just, you know, again, it's just kind of wild to think about that. You know, they, they can act, they, they've just won 101 games and they still have some guys that could come back and actually make them better for the playoffs. All right, Eric. So I don't mean to do this whole historical par- parallel thing, but I think, I think I'm accurate on this. So, we know that the Braves won 14 straight division titles starting in 1991. They won, When they won their fourth division title in 1995, they won their World Series. They didn't win it again. This time around, this is now their fifth straight division title. The year that they won their fourth, they won the World Series title. So history is is kind of repeating itself. I just realized that. So I'm hoping it doesn't to where we're not going to win another World Series. Uh, I, think, uh, I was about to say I don't I don't, I don't want to think about like the '96 World it, Series. Or, yeah, yeah. But hey, like, hey I mean, we, like there's some other some worse ones. But you know, tw- 25 years later, we had the ability to get you know. Hopefully, we'll get some redemption against the Yankees. But I bring this up because of how special it is just to get five in a row. But Eric, I I feel strongly in saying this. This is the best team. Maybe 2019's was better. I still think this one is deeper. But this is the best team we've seen of these five division titles, yet it clearly has been the toughest to accomplish. But to me, that makes it the most special. Maybe all of them are special to everybody, but this one to me seems to be the most special because even when we were so good and so deep, we still had to do all that we could to get it done. And that's what sets you up for the playoffs, in my opinion. But what are your thoughts? Does this stand out above the other four over the past five years? Or what about this was different that will make it memorable compared to the past four years? So in terms of winning division titles, I mean, nothing's going to top like playoff runs over last year uh, unless they win it again, right? Like in terms of like in the context of it, you know, winning a World Series is what it's all about. You know, it's certainly they had some help that the rest of the division didn't have much interest in winning the NL East last year. 
and the Braves are able to make some additions at the trade deadline and, you know, swoop in, st- you know, steal the division title and then go on that crazy run. Um, I will say that for me as a prospects guy and someone who's really kind of devoted to like what these young guys are, 2018 did mean a lot uh, just because of all those young guys. It was like their first crack at the playoffs and what they were able to do to, you know, secure that division title after a lengthy absence from that, um, that, that felt really good for me, but this one winning a tough race against a really good team and the way it came down to the very end of the season, uh, that's really kind of a special thing. You know, it's funny. It's almost like the rest of the league has just been kind of playing out this dream because so many of those other races have been pretty much locked in for a long time. You know, you can, sw- sw- you know, shuffle around some wild card spots, but really, you know, those division, those division races across the league have been pretty much decided for a long time. And to like have to go down to the wire. I mean, the Braves had, were at a hundred games going in a hundred wins going into tonight and they had not locked up the division. And that would have easily won the division basically every other year, the last, the previous four seasons. So to kind of be able to do that and still have a really tough race against a very game Mets team, you know, we, we, we kind of meme on them a little bit. Uh, and I'm certainly like the, the type of team that is, is like you know, kind of really scrappy and you know in, in some ways almost even unlikable uh but i mean that team has jacob de that has matt scherzer p has been really good for them you know nimmo's been good mcneil's been good you know that's a good ball club over there francisco lindor i don't want to forget about him obviously so to be able to beat a team that's had a, a really really good run themselves it's it's a special thing and you know in that regard like you we haven't felt this kind of drama this late in the season in a long time um in in terms of the regular season postseason there were multiple times the previous couple of years where i'm pretty sure my soul left my body uh, in terms of individual games but in terms of the regular season you're not you're not going to find a whole lot more drama and better drama than what you had this year absolutely and to be honest with you i'm <laughs> I know the drama is only going to pick up, but it, it's going to be nice to at least have a week or so uh, to where we don't have to worry about it. So maybe not in the most satisfying of ways, but the job got done, and that is what matters. Eric, if you want to give us a little bit more insight, obviously uh, we can't thank our listeners enough, everybody that subscribes to the podcast network as well as follows batterypower.com. The reception was incredible during last year's playoff run, and I know that we're all excited here at Battery Power to be able to provide a whole bunch of content coming up. Do you want to give us a little bit of a, of a preview as to what the, the listeners might be able to look forward to in the coming days? Yeah, it's going to be a, a busy sort of rest of the week as we kind of get into preview mode. Um, we Obviously, this is the division clinching show. So, you know, you know, make sure you tell your friends about this one uh, and all of our other previous podcasts. If you want to kind of get caught up with how we got to this point, uh, we're going to be, uh, you know, Sean's going to be very busy doing hammer episodes uh, starting tomorrow for the last game. And then Chris and Steven, I know they have a show that they're going to be putting out. I'm going to guess it's going to be posted on Thursday would be my guess. And then we'll do a preview sh- a preview show on Sunday with kind of the, the usual crowd of folks. Uh, it would be Brad, myself, and Scott in all likelihood. All three of us will do that show as kind of a preview podcast. And we're also going to be doing a Road to Atlanta podcast fit in there somewhere. Guesses that I'll post on Friday. Don't hold me to that. We're going to try to figure out the schedule now that we kind of know what's going to be going on. But overall, you know, and that that show will be kind of more of a, a big picture, kind of talk Garrett and I talking a little bit about, you know, how this team has been built over the last few years and kind of, you know, the more the prospecty type 
you know stuff where we can kind of look back and you know think about how crazy it is that this team has been able to build this the the team the this team the way they have because you know this isn't a team that was built you know in free agency a lot of it was just you know you know homegrown you know just getting you know pulling the guys together out of the farm system and putting together a team that ends up being one of the best teams in the league. So that's what's coming for this week. And then once the playoffs start and the Braves start playing, we will be recapping every single game on this podcast feed. Uh, there's going to be a little bit more of a rotating, rotating cast because by the end of the playoff run, Scott, Brad and I were nearly dead. So hope, fortunately this year we have Sean who's going to be helping out here and there. Chris has talked about potentially uh, chipping in, assuming that, you know, we're not going to necessarily be talking about him on road games because he's going to be actually at the stadium in the press box handling business there. Uh, we're going to be getting help from Steven as well. Just kind of a rotating cast of people being able to help, you know, recapping these games uh, as the playoff run continues and hope it goes on for a long time, because I will say it was a lot of fun, uh, you know, covering that playoff run last year. And hopefully we can put together a bunch of shows for you over the next month. Absolutely. And, and of course, you know, as you know, for all of those who who are wonderful enough to listen to, you know, as many hammers as possible and just as many shows at batterypower.com as they can. Can't thank you enough. We, we're right there enjoying it with you. Every single time, either the Braves get an extension signed with the long-term young player or they win a big series or they win a division title and hopefully you know, they'll win multiple more World Series titles, we're going to be here with you to cover it all. Of course, you can find Eric Cole at Leprechaun on Twitter. We'll, we'll thank Eric here in just a second. At Leprechaun on Twitter, myself at Stats SAC. You can find the Battery Power podcast with Eric, Brad, and Scott. You can find the podcast to be named later with Chris Willis and Stephen Tolbert, the Road to Atlanta podcast with Eric and Garrett and myself on the Daily Hammer. All those great shows at BatteryPower.com, at BatteryPowerSBN, across all forms of social media and free on all podcast platforms. Wherever you listen to podcasts, that's where we'll be for free. Just hit that subscribe button and you'll get the latest content when it's available. Eric, I, I know I say this, but I mean it more every time I do it. It is always a pleasure to get to talk Braves baseball with you, especially moments like this. Thanks for taking the time to join us today. Absolutely, and just a great job to you, too. I mean, the the, the grind that you're on doing all these week, weekday shows has been remarkable both for the feed, and it's been, frankly, remarkable for me because I kind of get tired just even thinking about what you have to do on a week-to-week basis. So we appreciate – I know that Chris does, and I, I want to speak – I'll speak for myself, too, that the work you've done this season and just in general since you've been with us has been remarkable. So thanks to you, and I, I hope that everyone really appreciates all the hard work you put in. Hey, the reason why I do it is because it's enjoyable. I get to sit here and put together content and talk about Braves baseball, the team that I've loved for more than 30 years. So I'm revealing my age, but if it leads to this opportunity, uh, I'll do it any chance that I get. And, you know, it's more than reciprocated on your end. You, Brad, Scott, everybody else just does an incredible job. It's a pleasure to be a part of this group. Can't thank you all enough for listening. Hope you enjoy. I know it's going to be a week until, well, we get the Braves tomorrow, but after that, it's going to be at least a week until meaningful Braves baseball once again. But hope you enjoy the start to the playoffs and make sure to stick to the Battery Power Podcast Network for all the latest content. My name's Sean Coleman. His name's Eric Cole. We'll talk to you again soon here tomorrow on the Daily Hammer. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. 
Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.